Welcome back, everyone, to Storytelling Podcast Week and our December Roundtable, hosted by Moti Doppel of the High Night Podcast, with Rusty Quills, Helen Gould, Alex Newell, and Morgan Givens. For those of you who may be joining us for the first time, Storytelling Podcast Week has live stream sessions like this one, with top podcasters and storytellers from scripted fiction and nonfiction podcasts from across our world and our imaginations. We also have exclusive recorded episodes on the Storytelling Podcast Week channel for free. Download the Podbean app and follow the Storytelling Podcast Week channel to receive notifications in real time when we go live, listen to exclusive episodes, and to replay all of the live streams from all of our events. Storytelling Podcast Week is brought to you by Podbean. We're a podcast hosting and monetizing platform and home to over 500,000 podcasts. And as you're joining us for this session, you can see we also offer the ability to live stream directly from the app to your audience. For everyone listening, you can start your own live stream for free here on Podbean. And now we'll hand it off to our host of this live stream, Motsi Doppel of the High Nine Podcast. Hello and welcome. Hello. Thank you, Norma. Um, this is Motsi, Motsi Doppel uh, of the High Nine Podcast. Usually I'm joined with my co-host, Reg, but unfortunately she is uh, experiencing the life of a medical student. So um, I'm here to welcome you all uh, from Rusty Quill. Um, just for, as a brief introduction, High Nine literally translated to High Mom is a supernatural horror fiction podcast about a Filipina immigrant married a Thuin whose babaylan or shaman family background accidentally gets her involved in stopping dangerous supernatural events in Toronto. And with us here today are the crew of Rusty Quill with Helen, um, Alex, and Morgan. It is wonderful to see all of you. Thank you so much for joining us. I mean, see, for a given value of seeing. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, uh, so start just to start off, um, we like to ask this question to everybody. How would you introduce yourself? What do you put forward in a first impression? Oh boy, that's a really difficult question, actually. <laughs> like whenever someone's like, oh, can you just send a, a short bio? And you're like, oh, God. I feel I have a slight advantage here in that I'm asked to do this quite a lot. So I have <laughs> yeah. I have a sort of rote answer, but I don't feel like that's quite in the spirit of the question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, uh, I'm, I'm a human person. Um, <laughs> um, usually I say I'm a writer, editor, and sensitivity consultant. Um, and often I just leave it at that. But if people want to get full personal, I'm a massive horror fan. Obviously work with Rusty Quill. Um, generally trying to have a nice time. <laughs> and yes, my name is Helen, and I use he, she, and they pronouns. And that's all the important stuff, really. Absolutely. Uh, I'm happy to go next then. Uh, I'm Alexander J. Newell, uh, he, him, uh, founder and CEO of Rusty Quill Limited, which is a production company and podcast network specializing in audio fiction. And I have been a voice actor in various things. A lot of people know me as Martin from the Magnus Archives, but I, I pop up in all, all over the place. <laughs> uh, my name is Morgan Givens. I use he, him, they pronouns. Um, I guess, yeah, I'm a director at Rusty Quill. At the moment, I'm a creator of my own podcast, Flyest Fables, storyteller, writer. I do a lot of stuff and I love to read and play video games. So, um, yeah, I guess that's my little brief introduction as to who I am. I'm also ridiculously tall and people comment on that when they meet me. So, <laughs> there's a <laughs> random fact. 
Uh, but yeah, that's that's about it, I guess. <laughs> you must make an excellent pair. Most people meet me and go, "Huh, I assumed you'd be smaller." <laughs> 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 it's really nice to uh, have you on the call, Morgan. I don't think that we've spoken verbally yet, but Not I think yet. we'll be doing so soon. But lovely to pod meet you. You too. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great atmosphere for it. Uh, yeah, I, I forgot to mention that um, my, my pronouns are she, her. And uh, thank you so much for those wonderful introductions. Um, just to get it out of the way, Martin Blackwood is indeed my favorite character. And <laughs> our podcast Aww. was created because of the Magnus Archive. So this is a oh, wow. <laughs> that's That's a lovely thing to hear. Although I'll say that you're, you're wrong in your favorite character, but I can forgive that. That's, that's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I, I, I'm, I've accepted that I am wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, oh um, dear! <laughs> I'm, f- I'm, f- so, I'm, I'm, f- I'm full of vinegar today, Helen. Just, just strapping okay. for the ride. I think. Good morning. Um, yeah, and so uh, just to get this ball rolling just a little bit, I will start with some of the questions. But usually, it does fall off the rails very quickly. So <laughs> we'll try to keep it on for now. But um, my first question is: anyone can jump in. But uh, what, in your opinion, is your favorite kind of? story element or storytelling tactic or you know any any style or, or technique that you wish other creators uh presumably in the podcast space but really anywhere um adopted or played with like something you really want people to do more in mm. I'm happy to go first, but it's a pretty academic answer and it might dry <laughs> the conversation out real quickly. Absolutely go ahead. Um, so I, I have a thing which uh, people who have made things with me know, which is I, I tend to get a bit annoyed at like over the top storytelling. You know, I open the door, ee, I went across the floor, crunch, crunch, mm-hmm. crunch. Uh, but what I do like, and I don't see much of outside of say prose, is there's a there's a technique in prose which actually can apply to podcasting as well, which is called free indirect discourse. Which is it's a storytelling method where you have say a narrator or a way of telling a story where what is normally like a third-person perspective or narrator starts to reflect the perspective of the subject in question. So as an example, in podcasting, that would be a situation where, sure, you could have a narrator and their voice and their mannerisms start to capture the feeling of the character, but you can do it without a narrator. You know where if you have a... um, If you have a character who is say having a panic attack and so on you can just rely on things where it's like you know oh some sound design of a beating heart or something but you can get more creative with it in terms of like you start shifting what other characters are saying so that it seems a bit more subjective and a little less like objective Uh, and same for like more general aspects of sound design you can make doors sound a little bit harsher you can make light buzzes a little bit harsher things like that the little subtle tones um i really really like that there's not much of it in the space at the moment but i I, again that's a very specific super (laughs) academic take on the question i think uh yeah i guess i'll go next um 
one thing that I, especially when it comes to uh, fiction in general, is oftentimes, I don't know if anybody else has had this experience, I'm sure y'all have, but you start a podcast that starts out really, really well done as far as story, the story is tight, the story is moving, we have story and not just plot, is that you can tell, um, usually by the end of the first season, that the creator wasn't quite sure where they were going with it. They didn't have a general idea, yeah, of where they were going to land. And so one of the things that I think is crucial to making fiction podcasts, to making any podcast, is to really understand where you're attempting to go in the end. And of course, you can shift, you can you can learn more about your characters as you develop them. But a lack of direction is is pretty much the death knell to a podcast, because then you kind of start spinning your wheels, you start repeating plot points, um, and the action kind of drags and dies. And so one of the things I find most important is to know how you want to end it, have a great idea of how you want to end it, even if that ending is amorphous, even if it still kind of shifts a bit. But if you don't know where you're going, the road to get there is not going to look good. It's not going to be a pretty yeah. route. So it's it's so important to know where you're driving to before you really kind of get that car on the road, you know, at least for me. Yeah, it's that thing of like, um, what do they call it, the mystery box, where you're like, here is a box of mysteries, and then you present it to the audience, but you don't actually know how you're solving any of the mysteries, and then you exactly. just sort of bring yourself into a corner. I mean, don't yeah. get me wrong, I love a good mystery box, but I am a big fan hmm. of a box of really carefully crafted character arcs and nuanced plot that leads to a satisfying <laughs> denouement, but you know, m- m- generic mysteries fine too, I guess. <laughs> Usually, I think that um, have an answer is what. Yeah, I yeah, right. This is why I could never write a mystery because I very, I very much just if I want to write something, I just start and then I see what happens. And so I, I'm very bad at planning things. Um, for me, like a story element that I enjoy is when, um, and I haven't seen it very often yet, but it's where you have like a perspective switch suddenly, like you think that you're following one character and then suddenly Mm. they go and you're left with everyone else that has been involved, but not been major. Then they all have to deal with the other character leaving. So you've got like, um, like, like, uh, the first season of game of Thrones, for example. Oh yeah. When your main character just tops the, like dies straight out of the gate. Well, well, this is the thing. You had a whole season of Gage No Ned Stark and be like, ooh, ooh, what's he going to do next? And he's like, he's going to get his head chopped off is what he's going to do. <laughs> um, also, um, Midnight Mass did this as well, which I thought mm. was really uh, – and it was such a – uh, Mike Flanagan and his bittersweet endings will just kill me one day. Um, anyway, yeah, so I like I like switching from – uh, the audience thinking there's a main protagonist into an ensemble cast. Yeah, um, yeah. And in general, I'm a big fan of complicated, difficult people doing complicated <laughs> and difficult things. Um, well, <laughs> I, I like a corruption arc, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, well, I have, a good, have good news about High Night Season 2, for just for you, Helen. <laughs> <laughs> I am extremely excited about it. I really need to add... I. I have such a long list. <laughs> That's to listen right. to. I will try and boost yours up, I promise. Oh, thank you. You don't have to, but, you know. I, ca- I kind no, of have own to. It. Because own it. <laughs> yes, you have to. Absolutely have to. Come on. We follow each other on Twitter. That's uh, Exactly. <laughs> it would not be comradely. <laughs> 
Okay. Uh, yes. So that was, those were wonderful answers. And honestly, I'm just having fun here. I'm having fun hearing everybody's perspective and you are uh, all correct. And um, I think a lot of people who are listening right now are also very happy to hear it. Let's just look at some mm. of the listeners real quick. Uh, just some hellos. Hey, hey guys. And also uh, fear for high night season two. Thank you so much. I appreciate the fear. <laughs> 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 and uh, yeah, going forward, um, who, here's here's a fun question. Whose work are you guys fans of? Because I think it is always wonderful to talk about uh, works of people you are a fan of, like me talking to you guys about Rusty Quill, of whom I am a fan. Aww. <laughs> so, yeah. This is difficult. Mm-hmm. Um I will just just because I'm currently I'm doing a playthrough of Delta Rune Chapter Two. I do really like Toby Fox in terms of um, the way that he tells stories um, and likes to pull the rug out from under you all the time in his games. Um, and just just in terms of like the question, like he is he is a creator who, whenever he makes something, I will leap on it. Like <laughs> anything he makes, I'm I'm going. Okay, let's see what bananas nonsense is here today. Um, I'm also a big fan of uh, Monkey Paw Productions, who made Get Out, Us, Candyman. Um, I think they're doing some really interesting things uh, in terms of uh, discussing race and horror, because that's a really really interesting niche that I like to. See explored. I love both those. I uh, love both um, both those films, and I've heard of. I mean, mm. a friend of mine is a fan of Toby Fox. I know, is he not a completely independent, or at least mostly independent creator? Yeah, he's mostly independent. I think it's just him and uh, a small crew of people, which is why it takes you know a long time for him to make a game. Uh, so he made Undertale and he made Delta Rune. Um, he was previously involved in Homestuck, I think, but I don't know anything about that really. Um, Mostly like a musician for a while, and then <laughs> that's amazing. No, like his music is so good and so evocative, and there's and there's so many songs where like the minute you hear it, you're like, yes, this is a banger. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that is wonderful. No, genuinely, extremely, uh, extremely talented person. It's always the musicians who go into um, video games and film and, and animation that just do well. Like you look at a Super Giants Hades with the musician, the music. Mm. You look at a Steven Universe where the creator is also a musician. All those things. Mm. <laughs> I wonder yes, why. I've never really thought about that. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Mm. And yeah, how about you, Sisyphus? <laughs> and, um, <laughs> it's it's pronounced Sisyphus. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, so I'm a bit of an odd one in that, unfortunately, for various reasons in my job, I tend to be spending a lot more time, like, analysing stuff than I do, like, consuming for pleasure. So as a result, I tend to get a bit of a warped view on things. I think there's been an interesting shift in podcasting specifically, which I think we're going to start seeing more of and which is catching my eye, which is if you go back to, say like 2012 maybe maybe a little bit later there was a there was a sort of first wave of audio fiction that uh hit this space you're getting things like you know uh leviathan um 
the We're Alive's. Uh, in the later age of that, you've got things like Wolf Through Five Nine, but they were they were more like, well, like Wave Two. And I think that you're gonna start seeing, and the things that are interesting me is people returning to their epics in in sort of audio fiction. By which I mean, there's been a lot of like tight two seasons, tight three seasons. A lot of monologue-driven stuff recently and things like that. I mean, obviously, we've been uh, doing some of that ourselves. But I think what what's really interesting me and the, the the things that I'm sort of hearing on the grapevine is the sort of bigger scale productions are back in. And I think that's a combination of like the indie scene, the tech has moved on to the point where it's even easier to do that kind of thing. So it requires less sort of infrastructure combined with like major players are moving into the space who have money to spend. But to be clear, I'm talking less about like, you know, your new Batman or your, your, your uh, Wolverine long night. I'm thinking more. Yeah. I, I think there's, I'm sort of talking about more like what is coming as opposed to what is currently there, but I'm quite interested in this shift towards kind of bigger, more sprawling stories rather than tight six parters, which we've sort of gone through a phase of, or, you know, shorter run seasons. Yeah. Um, you know, speaking of like the direction that podcasting is currently going, it's, it is incredibly interesting to watch some of these quote unquote larger players start entering the fiction space and watch them try to figure out that you cannot translate directly how you write for television and film to audio. Um, so that, that has been quite interesting to, for at least me to watch because you can, you can listen to these shows and you can hear that it was initially scripted for television. You can hear that it was initially scripted for a movie because the pacing is off. The rhythm doesn't quite actually land. They never really find their groove as far as how that really kind of goes and it gives you more of the feeling as though you're closing your eyes and listening to a tv show which isn't in my estimation how audio should feel when you're really immersed in in, an audio fiction world because you would have created it in a way that the person feels as though they're in that scene as opposed to a passive bystander listening to that scene and having that scene kind of projected at them which is a sense that i get from a lot of again people who are just now entering this space who have the big bucks quote-unquote hollywood in the united states or whatever the case may be. Um, But I I do want to say that one of my favorite people whose work I am a fan of, and it's she doesn't have a podcast. I think she should. But her name is Samantha Shannon, and she wrote this book called The Priory of the Orange Tree. And speaking of how you can take an ensemble cast, that is a book that I could hear 100% turning into a podcast because her characters are so well-developed. You can see that she knew exactly what she wanted to do with each character and their story arc, how she wanted them to grow, where they actually kind of slot in into the story. And so The Priory of the Orange Tree is one of those books that I read and I use that information to help me really kind of formulate how I put together a podcast, how I, I view the plot, how I view my characters. And, you know, just talking about podcasts, this isn't a fiction podcast, but a podcast I really enjoyed was Floodlines from the Atlantic um, here in the U.S. because they did something 
that I found really incredible with the way they use sound underneath the voices of the people they spoke with, because the podcast kind of focuses on Hurricane Katrina and the aftermath um, here in the U.S., which was an incredibly devastating hurricane, especially for the black population in Louisiana, um, New Orleans mm-hmm. specifically. And they, the, I felt as though there were parts of me that were kind of underwater, that were submerged while listening to this show, but they did it in a way that didn't feel cloying, you know, how Alex mentioned just because you see a duck doesn't mean you need to hear it (laughs) Um, (laughs) it's like you don't need to you don't need all the sound but it was such an immersive experience and they were so careful with the people they spoke with that you got all the emotional resonance you needed to hear from them without feeling as though these people were kind of being exploited. And a lot of the way they use sound, I I find is completely applicable to how we can use sound um, in fiction. They use sound in a way that when I tell people to write scenes, I say write as though you're moving with the wind. That's how you can really get that scene um, in 360 degrees. And I felt like they really truly did that um, with their show, uh, Floodlines, which was, yeah, one of one of my favorites um, of the, of the last year, actually. I mean, speaking to Morgan's point, as a as a as a hot tip, if you're ever not sure whether something started on screen or not, listen for establishing shots. That's that's the sort of thing that I always do. Where it's like establishing shot in cinema is where you know you do that big sweeping vista of say the city that you're in, and then you go into the street, and then from there you go into like the scene. You can always tell if a script or if a podcast has started because they'll have so many establishing shots for each scene. And the pacing will feel really odd as a result. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a very specific little thing to watch out for. But as a, as a second like corollary to that, um, you've, you've triggered my brain. Uh, more. <laughs> There's one thing I always recommend everyone listen to, and it's a bit old school, but it's be- it, it's good for it. Um, I think it's titled, and I say this all the time: "This gun that I have in my right hand is loaded." Um, and so I think, if I remember correct, it's uh, it's it is a satire, and I think it is by Timothy West. Um, and basically, it is a piece that you should be able to find online, and it is how not to do audio drama. And all it does is every single thing you're not meant to do crammed into a single spot. So oh it really God. is literally like, Timothy, my brother of five years with red hair. <laughs> Why are you pointing that loaded Colt 45 at me that still has three rounds left? Oh no, you shot me in my left shoulder. You can tell because you can hear by the way the sound. It's, like, it's so ridiculously awful, but that's sort of the point. And as a result, it's amazing. So just to sort of chase that down, if you're ever wanting to like get used to the things you shouldn't do and what to listen for people who are like getting used to the space, th- this gun that I have in my right hand is loaded is the title. Great title. <laughs> that sounds That's incredible. wonderful and also <laughs> terrible. <laughs> so many things, so many great things are both wonderful and terrible. Um, I would argue all things that are worth <laughs> your time in some way. Oh, Helen, with your hair and your glasses that you are speaking to me right now. (laughs) Yes, Yes. I am indeed both wonderful and terrible. (laughs) And uh, beautiful as the dawn, or shall love me and (laughs) despair. Oh, my God. Thank you, Helen. That that is exactly what I do. Speaking of all shall love me and despair, um, do you guys um, use the next question? 
<laughs> which has everything to do with that, which mm-hmm. is um, from an audio production standpoint, what's the practical difference between directing and producing? That is um, how I relate the last line. <laughs> Um, the pre- like Ooh. depending on like uh, yeah like uh, any tips for directors or producers um, for podcasts assuming that um, it is not a one person podcast where one person is doing all the things but they might learn something uh, yeah uh, uh-huh. directors tend to get all of the credit and praise regardless of whether they own it and producers tend to get very little no matter how wonderful and amazing <laughs> that's they are. facts I've produced a long time that is facts <laughs> That is that is yeah. the, that's the brutal truth no one talks about. Directors that is get facts. all of all of the glory, and producers do so much, <laughs> yes. so much work for so little. They do. Yeah, I'm I'm also on that because um, like the uh, oh, I, in my introduction, I forgot to mention that I also have a podcast. It's called Enthusiasm. It's a chat show, and uh, my producer for that, Lori. I just want to like just raise her up like Simba Absolutely. all the time. <laughs> she is amazing and makes everything so easy for me. And so I'm just, um, I just kind of say, I think this should sound like that. <laughs> and then in the background, Lurie's like scheduling everything in, making sure everyone's got equipment, doing like all the actual important stuff. And I'm going, you know, Let's take out this bit where I completely make a, a joke that falls so flat. Because, like, like I, I should sound the best on this. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I think the difference, in my opinion, between a director and a producer is, like, the producer does the practical stuff and the director um, makes decisions about, like, the creative stuff. I mean, also producers, I mean, this is a thing in podcasting that I've noticed mm-hmm. is in podcasting, everyone says producer, but in, outside of podcasting, producer is an incredibly broad phrase. Mm. An executive producer is not the same as a creative producer. He's not the same as, say, <laughs> a uh, shooting producer or a logistics producer. Like, producer is a really very broad term in podcasting has sort of become co-opted into person what does stuff. Um, mm. But yeah, I think... Broadly speaking, in podcasting, it tends to break down that your director's job really, and again, Morgan can correct me on this one, uh, but your director's job 90% of the time tends to boil down to whenever a decision is made, making sure that it is pointing in the same creative direction. Mm. But that does mean that often in a directing role, it can turn into yes, no listen, A or B, do you want it in black or red? You know, do you want it loud or do you want it quiet? And all you're really doing is you're picking from the options that are made available to you to to home it in on a specific destination. Whereas with a producer, it's a lot more freeform problem solving where it'd be like, okay, Mm. um, you know what? Uh, This was meant to have a choir in it. And as a producer, it's your job to say, we've tried, we can't get a choir, but we can get this string quartet. Is that going to fit the bill creatively? Yes, no. Okay, it is, but we'll need to do this. It's a lot more dynamic whereas i think directing you sort of tend to be working with a lot of people and helping them to solve problems but again it sort of depends on the scale of the show a little bit yeah yeah no that that sounds right you know i've I've spent years on the producing end um and very often for me it was really trying to translate exactly what alex said 
the notes I was getting from the director, the notes I might have gotten from the host. You know, sometimes as a producer, I'm writing it. You know, sometimes as a producer, I'm the one sitting down mixing it, you know. And so, like Alex said, producing has such a broad um you know, connotation within podcasting because it can mean anything, really, any any <laughs> way you really kind of put your hands on the show. Um, and so one of the things I've seen from the producing standpoint is that you really have to be adept at taking everything that people have told you and synthesizing it in a way that you can actually lay these tracks down, um, that you can get your pacing right. You know, I think of producing as putting down the foundations of the audio once you have everything recorded, and then everyone has to build on top of that. And if your foundation is shaky, then your the rest of everything you build on top of it might be shaky as well. Um, mm. But as from the directing point where I am right now and just really kind of getting into directing, what it has meant for me is, you know, like Alex said, pointing the story in the right direction, making sure that all of the loops, all of the moments, all of the character arcs have a purpose, that we're driving somewhere with them, that it doesn't take away or negate other characters in the show. Um, you know, and a lot of what I've been doing at this moment as a director is fleshing out a story, is is helping you know fill in any plot gaps is listening to the creator and the writer to make sure that i'm helping them tell the story they want to tell in the best way possible while adding in my experience my expertise as a storyteller um and really taking something that is great to the next level you know and and so directing for me is 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 a little less stressful <laughs> than well, produce it, you know? Um, but it's, it's, it's a different type of work. It's a different type of, of mental gymnastics, but there's a ton of crossover. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm recognizing that if you can produce well, if you know what it means to take a show from zero to 100, to take all the nuts and bolts and build something with it, then the odds of you being able to slide into a director's position um, are probably quite high. But it's one of those things where you have to know the basics. And I feel like learning how to produce is really getting into the nitty gritty of what it means to take a show and put it together. Because I've often been in the position where my creator and my host has been like, here's all my tape. And they disappear. <laughs> so oh, God. No. Now it's my job to sit no. through this tape, yes, and find the art to find the story, to build it out of their tape. Um, and so I have been in that position uh, countless times. But I, I, I see far more crossover um, than I think I see differences when it comes to directing and, and producing, if, if that makes sense. Oh, definitely. Mm -hmm. I mean, we we tend to have a little simplified rule at our Rusty Quill, which sort of boils down to, and I'm oversimplifying here, uh, <laughs> a director's job is to make sure that a show's as good as possible. A producer's job is to make sure that a show exists at all. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd agree with that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I could never be a producer. It would stress me out. <laughs> It's so stressful. It's such a stressful job. Am I wrong for finding it relaxing? <laughs> yes. No. I do. I love putting the puzzle together. I can't help it. <laughs> it is yeah. to a production, essentially. <laughs> yeah, I think advice I'd give to producers is, you know, go to sleep. Yeah. Take, yeah. take care of yourself. You're doing something very difficult. It's okay. You can have a break. <laughs> 
Uh, good advice for everybody in the podcast space. Go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just everybody hibernate. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, speaking of parenting and production, because I love making these wonderful segues. Um, <laughs> You're doing great. I love it. <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, oh, before we move on, actually, I just wanted to say uh, shout out to my co-creators. We say co-creators because we keep throwing um, responsibilities at each other to see who can handle it at a given time. But um, <laughs> my co-creator, Reg Helly, and my other co-creator, Yoi Halago, they have been wonderful and they have saved me many times uh, when I've mm. been drowning in this podcast. But yeah, um, so so picking your favorite child, because we're moving on to that part, um, <laughs> what is your favorite podcast that you or Rusty Quill or, you know, or anything that you have made? Like, what is your favorite one? Um, either just podcasts or like in general thing you have made. You can't do this to Alex. That is extremely cruel. <laughs> it's, okay. it's okay, Helen. I have, pr- I, have, I have prepped answers for such cruel and unnecessary punishments. <laughs> Alex, you you know how to be uh, cruel yet fair, so please let us know. <laughs> There's nothing fair about me. I'm just I'm just the first part of that. Just That's cruel. Fine. Just cruel. <laughs> That's a lie. Um, okay, so for the Rusty Quill thing, we've got uh, Rusty Quill Gaming, the Magnus Archives, Stella Firma, Outliers that we did in partnership with Historic Royal Palaces, uh, Inexplicables, Patreon only. And enthusiasm. That's all of them, right? Not including the RQ network, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, all of the RQ network is on my list. Um, <laughs> I I think it would be cliche for me to pick my own. So I'm picking Stella Firma. Um, just because... Stella Firma for me is like a wonderful mix of uh, chaos and um, darkness. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the dark chaos podcast that we have. Um, and it is just two brothers yelling at each other, pretending that they hate each other, which is just an excellent premise, I think, for a comedy show. <laughs> and um, I... I like it when they suddenly break into song. So I would pick Stella Firma as my favourite, actually. <laughs> Although I did, I fell asleep to the Magnus Archives a lot because um, I would be it's like, so riveting, right? No, 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 no. It's just so damn exciting, Helen. That's why. Right. Oh my god. No, because I know everyone on it, and so I'd be like, "Oh, I'll, I'll catch up tonight," and then I'd put it on, and it would just be you and Johnny talking quietly, <laughs> and my brain would go, "Ah, friends," <laughs> and I go to sleep. <laughs> Even if what you were saying was, "Ah, yes," the terrifying corpse of like a shambling. <laughs> I've also fallen asleep to the rest too. The Magnus Archives. Don't worry, Ellen. Yeah, yeah. But only because I didn't. I I crammed it in about two weeks. I didn't stop listening. So it. Oh wow! It, yeah, it has an absolutely somnam like fall. What's the word? Fall asleep quality. Yeah, Som- somnambulant. Well, yeah, but isn't that sleepwalking? Yeah, why not? It has a somnambulant quality. <laughs> it's one of those. But yeah, um, how about you two? What's your favorite of the favorites? After you, Morgan. No pressure. No pressure. Yeah, I was like, oh, I was like, he ain't gonna go. Let me go ahead. Um, <laughs> Hot 
Um, you know, it's it's gonna sound, you know, like ridiculous, but I think I one of my favorites is still the flagship that I kind of stumbled upon um years ago, which was the Magnus Archives. But one of the reasons that I enjoyed listening to it was that I could hear Alex growing as a creator and a writer and a storyteller throughout the series, which is one of the things that I think is one of the coolest things to kind of really experience when listening to a podcast is the growth of the person um, of making it, you know, and, and, and the way that it, it continued to take on more depth and he brought in more characters. And so I, I really appreciated that. It's always nice when you start a podcast and it gets better as opposed to starting it and being incredibly excited about it and then in the middle of season two you're just you just kind of lose that steam for it and so yeah you know I'm, I'm gonna have to stand by the magnus archives at the moment but um you know we all love rusty quill we know the the level of work that comes out of them so i say them like i'm not part of the team now so you know um, <laughs> you're one of you yeah <laughs> I will say I've started listening to the early uh, RQG episodes, the Rusty Quill Gaming episodes. I've got to. I've got to for work, Alex. (laughs) I don't like me in those, that's why. (laughs) No, it's so cute. Like, you all are just, like, getting to know each other and figuring out who all the characters are. It's lovely. It's very nostalgic for me, but I understand why you want to put them in the bin. I arrived, okay, on the creative scene, fully formed, exactly as I am now, and I will say that again in 10 years. <laughs> and that's, that's we all got to look at our babies in the, in the eye, them, them old ones, them old shows that we made. I have the same feeling. I listen back and I'm just like, oh, really? But you know what? There's growth. <laughs> it means yeah. I've gotten better. I'm, <laughs> I'm proud to have started at all. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, like the early enthusiasms also are very different from how they are now. Too. And we'll probably, you know, keep growing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like I... our art is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, then I'll, I'll, I'll give you my answer. Unfortunately, if people go back and listen to other interviews, they'll notice I give a different answer each time because that's how you play <laughs> the game, people. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to exclude the RQ network just because all of those. That that don't have favourites within there because it doesn't really work like that. They're all they're all with us because we think at RQ they're worth being with us. So as a result, it's not like oh well, this one just sort of came along. Doesn't really work like that. Hmm. Um, in terms of like the first party shows, I would probably say, um, I go with which whoever which one was probably the most. Fun to make, and April Sumner will probably throttle me across the internet for saying this, but probably Outliers in the. Um, wow. Well, bear with me. Okay, Outliers was hard work, but it was a podcast where I convinced people that, well, of course we've got to record in the palace. Otherwise, it's it's just not going to be to be right, is it? <laughs> so, I, so, so re- regardless of, of any other context, the ability to uh, sweep into uh, like the Tower of London to do recordings <laughs> um, and then record all these like creatives who outlier the, the team at Historic Royal Palaces were like, you know what? Yeah, we've got these writers. We we tried to get this person, but, you know, and, and it was like, triple a names are like yeah but it was busy so you know we had to use this other person or whatever and don't get me wrong like the the 
the the list of names was really strong so mm. just convincing people that i had to, i had to of course record in the tower of london because otherwise it it just isn't going to have that that certain something um, <laughs> and don't get me wrong i actually do think it's better for it but uh it is it is an odd experience recording a ghost story in a building and in the room where said ghost lives as an example that sounds amazing I didn't know that you'd done that. Yeah, yeah. So all of all of um, the first season of Outliers was recorded uh, on location. Um, the wow. second season of Outliers, due to sort of various logistic factors, ended up being done via studio. So mm. weirdly enough, the second season was a lot easier to make. But the first season of Outliers, I pretty much made like ninety percent on my own. I did. I think I did. <laughs> not all of the editing there was some help on the vocal cuts but i definitely did the heavy lifting so as a result it's sort of my weird baby where i convince people to let me have a look at the crown jewels because it's definitely important that i look at the crown jewels (laughs) outliers the weird baby (laughs) it is it is it is and like i got to i got to have thanks to that show i got to have a tour of uh a very not open to the public bit of the palaces. Oh, and I can't say more because because I shouldn't. But I got to go places that are, are, are not very public. So I've got I've got to thank Outliers has sort of been the nicest to me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I did find on my computer. I've got a picture of you and Anil outside the Tower of London, looking very happy. Oh yeah, that was uh, when we had to explain that. No, really, if you're going to do a podcast, you probably should have it on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> that is wonderful. And Alex, it makes sense that your favorite podcast is the one that gave you the most power. Um, oh, abs- oh, absolutely. That, that scans. That makes a lot of sense. And also, I was very careful not to say the word favorite. I never, I never uttered the word favorite. So I'm completely in the clear here. That's how you play the game. Abs- how you play the game, people. That's how you play the game. <laughs> This is this is the work of a master. You should all learn from this. <laughs> no, this this, this this is, this is ugh. <laughs> it's, it's bad <laughs> politics. One hundred and one is what it is. <laughs> I'm just playing everybody. Uh, Norma's asking, like, did you get to meet the queen, Alex? Uh, I did not get to meet the Queen, but my, my best anecdote from that is someone went, yeah, we're going to take a right this corridor, don't take a left or you'll be shot. And I went, <laughs> and they went, no, seriously, <laughs> shoot you in the head, don't turn left. Yeah, and then I looked like down that. left and there's like massive assault rifle guards and they're like, yeah, they, they often have to, you know, not shoot people, but certainly take them down if they go across this particular <laughs> oh bit of lawn and stuff like that. Yes, that's yeah. the, the Tower of London. They gave yeah. us that same speech when I visited... Yeah, um, super, just as a tourist, intense. it's super super intense when you go to yeah. the, the non-touristy bits. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> uh, my only anecdote in relation to that is my brother got to meet the, the prince uh, many many years ago because he won an English speaking contest. So called fish Aww. mucus and foot fungus was his um, speech. So yeah, good for him. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I think the wow. broke up. Gave a speech about foot fungus to a prince. Uh, yes, he uh, gave a speech about fish mucus and foot fungus, and then he got to meet the prince, um, as you do. That is Aww. awesome. That is fantastic. I love it. He was in high school. He does not want to, anybody to see that video. But <laughs> and now people can Google it. <laughs> well, I think he's done very well. Yes, yeah. he has. So, like, I'm Absolutely. walking around meeting princes. Good job. There he is. 
Um, yes. Yeah, so, uh, and so outside of Rusty Quill, um, now that we enter the uh, near the end of this, because we're 15 minutes out, but um, are there any new podcasts from other creators that you want to talk about? Like things you personally have um, discovered in your time in podcasting that you were very excited to talk about new or come or yet to come or happening, but, you know, still going on. Hmm. Uh, might pass this hot potato. I am up to my eyes in NDAs. Oh. <laughs> I, can't, I cannot <laughs> Can move I for the damn thing. <laughs> so I'm I will choose... to, to think. <laughs> I'll, I'll save you. I'll save you. Um, so the one thing about me is that I actually, all the podcasts I li- listen to right now are nonfiction podcasts. So um, in terms of new ones, there's this, uh, there's this YouTube creator called Pop Culture Detective who has some really interesting takes on, on media. He's done some interesting thing about, um, uh, uh, what's it called? He called it something like the nerdy misogyny of the big bang theory as in the show, not the, (laughs) not, not the physics. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, uh, one about, uh, boys don't cry and how, like how rarely you see men cry in films. Anyway, uh, they've got a podcast now. Uh, under the same name, Pop Culture Detective. And I've not listened to any of it yet, but I'm really looking forward to it because um, I really love their stuff. Um, also, Maintenance Phase has recently uh, come out, and that's a podcast about sort of um, uh, how to put... I was going to say the beauty industry, but it's not quite about that. It's about like the diet industry and all these weird fads and um, the well-being industry where they're like ah if you just have this particular berry then it will cure all your problems and they just debunk everything and it's so well done and it's so funny um even when they're talking about like such horrible topics um like like the like the you know the diet pills that cause uh accidents (laughs) Um, no like downstairs accidents oh okay okay. different different type of thing i'm with you now yeah and the host is like i didn't want to talk about poop and here we are anyway it's a great podcast i really enjoy that (laughs) that's awesome uh morgan and or uh Um, yeah, um, so I too tend to listen to nonfiction when I'm not working, even though there are fiction podcasts I enjoy, but, um, one of the podcasts that I really enjoyed listening to, uh, recently was called, uh, Good Assassins Hunting the Butcher, um, which was about uh, a group of Mossad agents from Israel who ended up hunting down, um, this Nazi fugitive who uh, ended up in Latin America. He was one of, you know, the cruelest of, of the people who kind of escaped following World War II. But mm. what I really enjoyed, the pacing of that show was excellent. Um, if, if you want a, a kind of a masterclass on pacing, I would truly suggest um, hunting, hunting the butcher um, just because... You know, they they really kind of unspooled who the main agent was as he was kind of tracking this this guy down. Like you, I felt that anxiety, wondering if he was going to get 
found out, even though, you know, history is history. You know how it ends. Mm. So there is something I think that is incredible when you can take history with an ending we know um, and still kind of infuse it with that tension to kind of infuse it with that risk that, you know, the main agent may have kind of felt. And it was really interesting kind of listening to them discuss how he would lose himself in who he had to become to catch this man, which is Mm. something that I feel like people, when they're acting for podcasting or whatever the case may be, kind of have to lose themselves in that same way. So as far as pacing, I thought that was just really excellent and and really well done. Um, And then there's another podcast that came out a couple of years ago, but I am a gigantic nerd and it's called The End of the World with Josh Clark. Oh, if that's one, I think it is. That was incredible. It was so good, you know? Oh, it, it was talking about you know all these existential um yes threats. yes yes god that yes, was so but it good wasn't depressing, that was such my right? jam that was yeah. such my jam <laughs> it was just like it was just a really fun ex- um intellectual exercise but it really got my brain cracked open um it cracked my mind open in a way that made me kind of start coming up with different stories different plot lines different ways Absolutely. of writing yeah and so i guess one of the things i i would suggest people kind of listen to that you know just because you know while thinking about some of these bigger questions and issues around creation, how the world might end, what it might mean if we create supercomputers or or the Fermi paradox, which is this idea that there of all the billions of stars in the world, we should have been visited by something already. So it, it's this weird contradiction between are we truly alone in the universe? What does it mean if we're not? Um, and each episode kind of goes into a different way. The world could, as we know it, human civilization could end. But again, as I as I say, it was not depressing. Um, it was just really intellectually stimulating. And, and like I said, it just kind of really cracked my mind as far as how to think of stories storytelling and how to bring in um, different themes and how to really explore what I believe you know, and kind of learn how to contrast that in my writing with society and, and what it might mean, not just on our planet, but in a larger context. Um, so yeah, like those were two that I, I just truly, truly enjoyed. And I still think about them and go back and listen to different episodes quite often, especially the um, end of the world one, just because I'll forget mm. something. I'll be like, oh yeah, that was super freaking cool. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad you reminded me of that one. That was that was legitimately like one of my, oh yes. Wasn't it so it. good? <laughs> it was... It was <laughs> It's the first non-sensationalist examination of existential risks I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. It was just like, look, this is this is what it is, and this is terrible, and this is good, and this is terrible, and this is good. And it was just, yeah, I, I do, yeah, good recommendation. <laughs> Double thumbs up. Um, I think I think I wouldn't dare listen to it. <laughs> I, I think, I've got I enough think, anxiety. <laughs> I think Helen, weirdly enough, you would actually like it because it like there's whole chunks of it are things where it's like, here's this massive risk, and these are the people that are working against it, and this is how they're mm-hmm. doing it, and this is this, and this is that. So it, it's less okay. like doom, and a lot more like you know, here is this consideration and the way the world is handling it. It's 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 a lot more <laughs> grounded than you might fear. Okay. Sorry, I, I realize I'm now gushing. I just there's <laughs> it's a very me podcast. It's a very me podcast. Mm, um, yeah, it sounds like it. In that case, then yeah. I'll I'll sit in the seat. I guess I'm gonna have to give a, a, a rubbishy answer here, but I I do mean it. Um, I think the bits of podcasting that I'm most looking forward to 
is what comes now. Because we are at a, in a way that I don't think many people have really properly wrapped their heads around, you're at a massive tipping point for podcasting and especially for audio drama. Because mm-hmm. you've had this perfect cocktail of awful and wonderful things happening that have lined up in a very specific way. Um, so a lot of the old favourites sort of struggled during uh, lockdowns and pandemics over the last couple of years. But at the same time, demand has massively spiked because everyone's, you know, looking for, for entertainment, etc. So that's interesting. That means that you sort of, you, you, a lot of the people that you'd expect aren't there and a lot of the new people are at the same time that, there's more to go around, I guess, combined with the fact that a lot of the major players are now wanting to move into that space. But as Morgan was saying, they're still kind of adjusting. So you have this odd confluence of events where now it's been long enough that even the old guard are sort of coming back with, with, with I was going to say with a vengeance, which is very, very uh, aggressive, uh, coming back <laughs> with renewed enthusiasm, let's say, at the same time that you have... Um, the new uh, indie shows that were sort of born of these last couple of years sort of coming in together. And that is a really interesting combo. And I think that at the moment, everyone sort of thinks of like what's gone before as being the sort of big thing. I think the next couple of years are going to be utterly unrecognisable in the space. And again, I do mm. run up against various NDAs, so I'm not going to be able to go into stuff. And I'm not even just talking about RQ stuff. I'm talking, I'm talking broader than that. Um, there is going to be a massive shift, I think, in the next two years in the types of story that are being told. And I don't mean just everyone's going to do one type of thing. I mean, whereas before, it, you'd say like, oh, what's a good sci-fi podcast? And you'd get two recommendations. What's a good horror podcast? You get three recommendations. It is going to be a massive swathe where like every single nuance is pretty much being told by someone. Mm. And I think it's going to lead to a very interesting shake up. So yeah, I'd say ask me in a year and I'll probably be able to be like, Oh, this, 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 this. But right now I'm fascinated with the stuff that's due to come out in the next year. Cause people are really sort of doubling down in a way that is encouraging for the space but also really fascinating because it's not enough to just make a podcast now it's got to be good you know it's got to be it's got to grab <laughs> it's got to it's got to be breaking something down or building something new up and as a result that's that's a fun time to be in a creative industry that mean that's when you get the really really interesting stuff coming to to the fore even if i don't necessarily know what specifically that's going to be mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you mean we have to be good? Gosh darn it. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Damn. God, it was so much easier a while ago. No, not quite what I mean, but I think I think you know what I'm getting at. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And uh, yeah, we kind of like, we have last, uh, last, well, last two questions. We have um, two more questions, but honestly, like they kind of cover what we've talked about already. And the first, I'll, I'll give both questions and you can decide to answer whichever one. Um, the first one is, um, do you have any questions for me about, about my podcast or any topics you want to bring up and chat about? And the second question is, um, uh, obviously, uh, limited by NDAs, but what are some Rusty Quill <laughs> projects that you want to tell us about that are coming, or at least like any vague allusions to plans that you have that you are allowed to talk about, um, barring legal, um, you know, backlash? <laughs> I think that might be a really unsatisfying question. <laughs> we have already we announced. <laughs> yeah, the ones well, that yeah. we can talk about were the ones we've already announced. So, uh, Morgan, do you want to plug your show? 
<laughs> sure, yeah. Um, I'm currently uh, directing and working with the creator and writer, uh, head writer Nemo Martin on a podcast from Rusty Quill called Trice Forgotten, which is going to be this really amazing uh, pirate nautical uh, fiction show. Um, I am in loving working on it so much. The The story has so much depth uh, and it's fun. Um, I've been enjoying figuring out how these characters and what their senses of humor are. <laughs> and so it's been, it's just been a lot of fun really trying to figure out and working out these characters' interactions with one another and the adventures that they're going to go on um, during their main quest for the big bad. But um, Nemo has done a really great job kind of coming up with his characters and coming up with the underlying stories. So I would say just look out for Trice Forgotten because it's going to be dope. Uh, it's already dope, you know, and we're just we're just going to do whatever we can to to get it to y'all in, in the best way possible. I genuinely can't wait because I know me and Nemo both love black sails. And mm-hmm. so yeah, I'm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nemo talk to you about that. Alex. Yep, 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 yep. Good. <laughs> Good. <laughs> um, yeah, we had a whole again, uh, we had an enthusiasm episode about pirates uh, that Nemo was on. Um, it's, oh, I'm so looking forward to that one. Uh, I, I might step in then as the other one and uh, say, I, I can't even remember what has and hasn't been announced beyond the title, so I'll be very careful. Uh, there's uh, Cry Havoc and Ask Questions Later, which is uh, set in ancient Rome. Uh, Caesar is uh, a, a dead, and it's an examination of sort of... Uh, political ineptitude in in what comes after as people desperately try and run what is ostensibly an empire but where everyone sort of is is at cross purposes and uh it's i think it's going to be a very interesting one from a uh, from a few angles and i'll have mm. to i'll have to now shut up on that one uh, I, I, I am the worst i am so bad at, at, at saying things and not saying things i've lost track but uh, i am sure it's not going to be at all relevant to um <laughs> current events what an interesting way of saying a thing that i didn't say those words yes uh, <laughs> uh, beyond that i can say that we are slated for a long time uh years uh meaning that we, that means that we sort of have an idea of what program we're doing stuff's in the works and so on but i, I literally can't allude to any more than that beyond yeah we're we're, we're now kind of pursuing stuff over a, a planning stage of yeah, years and years as opposed to like six months two months or anything like that you have much and uh, it'll be a long time very specific yeah. answers thank you yeah it takes a, a what who knew making shows that last ages takes ages I, it's it opened my eyes gosh I, I wish i wish i didn't know that but we have moved to a monthly <laughs> drop so we do know that quite totally right. get it totally get it <laughs> and uh yeah um before we kind of i guess we're like you can jump in and like talk about anything else but we're kind of nearing the end before we do i just wanted to shout out some of uh, stuff that I think people would enjoy who are listening right now. Um, I don't know if you guys know about this this program. It's kind of a podcast, but not really. It's called Drawfee. And they basically, um, they draw ridiculous um, suggestions on YouTube and they just chat mm-hmm. and like banter. And it is quite funny. It is quite enjoyable. It is almost like a podcast because you only need to look at the screen like maybe three times in an episode. At yeah, I love Drawfee. <laughs> 
Drawfee is wonderful. And the other thing, um, I mean, a lot of like college humor um, things like their um, their D&D podcast, D20 and all that stuff. I really I have been enjoying quite a lot of. And yeah, like um, other than that, nothing. <laughs> I guess um, if I want to shout out a an actual podcast, uh, I don't know if you guys know Octavia Bray. Um, I just got into their, um, into Atypical Artists' uh, Life with Leo. It -hmm. is very unlike other, you know, unlike any horror titles or anything. It is just a romance with an android, um, and it is very fun and simple. I think that's a very, very good recommendation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It is, it is adorable, and I have slowly but surely been kind of moving through it, because when we talked with Octavia, a couple months back, she was like, oh, it's a romance with androids. And I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> my, my very specific niche interests? Um, <laughs> but yes. Uh, yeah, so uh, this has been awesome, honestly. And quick, before before we end, is there anything you guys want to say? <laughs> uh, I... I, I, I uh... I was kind of. I, I was going to ask a question, but now I'm now I'm I'm just. Bl- so H- Helen will will verify that I just ruin the ending of every single recording. I can't help myself. Um, <laughs> Do it anyway. I don't want this to end, so it works out for me. Oh, no, you're going to get Alex now. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious, like to the people in this room, uh, is there any movement in tech as it relates to podcasting that you think is going to change the nature of audio storytelling? within the short or medium term? I have a very stupid answer for it, if you'd like to hear it. Yes, stupid answer, please, yes. (laughs) The stupid answer is everything is cheaper now. Um, that is literally yep. the that's not a stupid answer, answer that's, at that's all a, that's not a stupid answer that is really what it is like it comes down to i remember um maybe two or two years ago when mm-hmm. i was like looking into microphones so i was like maybe i want to do streaming maybe i want to do podcasting something like that and all the microphones were expensive as hell and i had to go with like a the cheapest possible shore microphone which didn't even have the proper plug-in and i like got yeah, a yeah cheapo um uh what do you call it, adapter to plug it into my phone and it was that was what i worked with for many years and now i look at all the pricing and it's like the cheapest shore it's like a lot of the quote-unquote um not necessarily industry standard but like you know getting into the industry standard stuff is super cheap now and i think like mm. because so many people it's too huge demand people are getting into not just podcasting but you know like zoom calls trying to make everything sound better um, all mm. the technology has just gotten cheaper, so the bar for entry has like lowered. Anyone else intimidated that that was a that was a stupid answer? Like, 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 <laughs> <I can't really laughs> like, like that's kind of intimidating that that's your low bar. <laughs> it is money. <laughs> it's my low bar. Oh, that was great. Well, we're going to read our brief outro, and then we'll give you guys a couple minutes to hash it out in the after. But. In the after party, if you want to stay a couple of more minutes on the live, thank you everyone for joining us for this live stream, the Storytelling Podcast Week December Roundtable, hosted by Motsi Doppel of the High Night Podcast with Rusty Quills, Helen Gould, Alex Newell, and Morgan Givens. For those of you who may be joining us for the first time, Storytelling Podcast Week has live stream sessions like this one with top podcasters and storytellers from scripted fiction and nonfiction podcasts from a across our world 
and our imaginations. We also have exclusive recorded episodes on the Storytelling Podcast Week for free, and you can also start a, po- a podcast on Podbean for free. So if you, in terms of technology, if you join late or want to have another listen to these amazing podcasters, you can replay this live stream on the Storytelling Podcast Week channel. Storytelling Podcast Week is brought to you by Podbean. We're a podcast hosting and monetizing platform and home to over 500,000 podcasts. And as you're joining us for this session, you can see we also offer the ability to live stream directly from the app to your audience. For everyone listening, you can also start your own live stream and podcast for free on Podbean. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. We look forward to having you for our next live episodes in 2022. Happy holidays and happy new year, everyone.